Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Richard Porter. And I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and many other things. been driving around in it it's difficult to explain sometimes why a car can feel satisfying and mm. occasionally i think it's the position of the a pillar and the depth of the windscreen and <laughs> that sounds so boring to start a podcast with those types of words no i reckon there's some car company so, ergonomicists listening going yes yes yeah. at last well, I mean, if people are offended by that, should we just we could just start the podcast again, and I'll talk about toilets or something. But I, I <laughs> yes, have you, have you ever drunk balsamic vinegar? Um, <coughs> no, I know what you mean. I think these things are the intangibles of why a car can feel good. Yeah, or not. no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I, I say that because I um, I have driven it before, but I've I'm, the last couple of days I've been driving around in a Honda HRV. And I really, oh. really like the new Honda HRV. I think the way it's proportioned, it's sort of, it, it feels like a big car, but it's not a big car. The A pillar is quite upright, and the windscreen is really quite shallow, like a chimney, like a sort of older school oh, car. Is it? Yeah, it is, but in a good way. I am not 100% on the design of that car. No? Because I think. It's a bit of a curate's egg, and the like. There was one a flesh door, near, you say a flesh door. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, a, cur- a curate's eggs. Um, <laughs> I, 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 there was one I used to park near my old house, and I used to walk past it all the time, and so I, I had sort of t- a chance to look at its design quite a lot. And this one appeared quite soon after that car came out, but I. I, I thought it's good in places, but from the back, somehow there's something not—it's it's lacking substance. It looks a bit flimsy somehow, almost like it's a, a model. Like, Does it? You know those, you know those cheap, I, cheap toy cars you'd get on holiday sometimes, and they're like they were just a, like a, a very thin shell with like and spindly paper clips <laughs> for axles. <laughs> It looks like that. I don't know. There's something about it. I think it just it sits quite high at the back. It's very high up. So anyone yeah. that says I want an SUV, I don't think you actually have to have one. You just have to have really high suspension. A bit like remember those Peugeot five hundred five seven seaters we were talking about the other week. Yeah. In the eighties, they were a passenger normal car, but they were really high, really yeah, high, huge suspension high, travel. So but if also, you, I always feel like French cars of that era. They were all sat high at the back, didn't they? It's a sort of very apart from Citroens, but um, I think it was to just tick the Moroccan market box. That's Mm, I'm certainly for big Peugeots, yeah. But um, no, I I I dig the HRV. It's weird you say that because the back's one of my favourite bits. The way it just chops straight down, I think it looks quite Mm. stocky and like come and have a come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. But yeah, so uh, just thought I'd pop that one in there, you, you know. Did you ever hear the radio ads for that car? No. I, when it came out, I was going through a phase of listening intensely to absolute 90s. Absolute and, radio. Um, absolute. I think I mentioned this before, how it, it freaks me out how they can have a DJ who's across all the absolute networks and he never crashes the the songs. And, and no, several never. listeners, when I mentioned this before, sent me an article about how that's achieved. It's very clever. They just have a... A computerized system that knows the length of all the songs and figures it out. Um, but uh, the advert for the HRV was really sort of damning it with faint praise, almost. I can't really? remember exactly what it said, but yeah. It what, was, like, it it's, was, it's only a new Honda, you shouldn't really bother looking, but actually, it's not that bad. One of them was trying to make the point that it's a very sort of, I think they were trying to say, you know, it's a very easy car to live with because it's so convenient. Yeah. But it sort of went. It basically went, 
unobtrusive styling. And it, 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 you sort of went, what are you saying? It's bland. I mean, it didn't. It, I can't remember. I have to try and find the ad, which I'm sure. I know why they've done that. I know why they've done that because of the chaos of the design in recent time for Honda. It's mm, it's got it's, it's gone from um, it's gone from you know kind of someone dropping two E's and then sitting in a cupboard with a cluster of crayons. <laughs> and then and just going, I can't stop moving. Got to keep moving and sketching. To to them, the, then when the E came out, the Honda E, I think it hopefully showed people that you could have excellent design without too many lines and too much too much fuss. Mm. And, and the yeah. the HRV and actually the new Civic, which which landed um, very very recently. Again, that's that's did it draw. It's dropped. I didn't want to say that, Richard, because it just sound. <laughs> I think I don't know if that, that's the same category for me as, as send it. I don't. I don't know how I feel about send it. See, see, as a, as a, as as someone that is now a professional YouTuber, uh, people have to say, oh, you know, the new video has dropped. It, uh, yeah, and I don't want to say that. So I'm running out of ways to say there's a new video, there's a new film. You need to watch it. So I've got, you know, it's now live. It's been uploaded. It's ready. I've set it off. I've released it like a wild, a wild animal that's been injured, and I've nursed it back to health. I don't actually know how to say it, and I feel so British about it. Whereas if I was American, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd just launch into excellent PR speak and just get it done. Is this like the other morning when my American wife told our children that it was time to leave the house to go to school, with the phrase? It's time to roll out. Oh, amazing! I mean, no, like, no American, British person ever that. said that. No, I couldn't say that. I'd sound like an idiot, but she no. just said it like totally naturally, and the kids went oh, okay. And um, oh, British yeah. carpet fitters say that. No one else in Britain says that, <laughs> isn't it? Seriously, come on. And maybe, um, maybe personal trainers a little bit, or physiotherapists. Yeah, it's, that's it's, true. Yeah, you get one of those those agonising foam cylinders that reeks havoc on the back of your legs um, <laughs> oh they so are the HRV, they are bastards so, those things they are bastards yeah the HRV I've not driven it and I that's the thing I mean I I do like bits of the design and I have I think it, you're right after the chaos of Honda design in recent times it is at least it's welcomed know, cohesive yeah it is but I've not driven it and I, I, I sort of feel like maybe I should because is it is it a good Honda yeah I feel like it's a good Honda I feel like it's a good Honda. It's like the, the the what is there appears to have been put there in a very thoughtful manner. Um, mm. I, I'm going to say it's got a CVT gearbox, which quite my, my wife's been driving it for about the last 24 hours. And she actually messaged me the other day. She said, "I think there's something wrong with this Honda. It revs really high when I'm not going fast." I tried to explain to her that it was a different gearbox, but she instantly cut me down and she just said, no, it's not. There's something definitely wrong with it. And I went, no. I said, no, this is what I do for a living. It is called a CVT gearbox. <laughs> it's just. I like the way that she just went, no, shut up, Johnny Smith, the renowned car journalist and automotive YouTuber. You're wrong about, about yeah. the CVT no, gearbox. It's the just engine's, The engine's damaged. What's, what's going on with it? Well, it's they are disorientating, though, aren't they? It's ages since I've driven a CVT. Probably the last time was the sort of faux CVT in a in a Prius. It's just like sort of. Have you ever driven a car? Have you ever driven an old like hanging car that's got a slipping clutch? Yes. And do you remember how you got it off the line and sort of got it up to speed successfully without melting it or getting stranded on the hard shoulder? I think. Um, it depends on it, but if it's if it's if you think the clutch is on the way out, I just hate, I hate slipping clutches. I hate yeah. the sound of a slipping clutch. I hate everything about well, the it. The smell is just like a load of the mackerel smell. on a radiator, isn't it? It's yeah. awful. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's everything, everything about it is awful. So, hey, now on that note, listen, guys, guys, look, look. guys. Um, I mate of mine came over the other day. And uh, who's an American friend of mine who's over from the US, and he's a car journalist. So he'd blagged a press car, and he'd blagged a Ford Mustang because his editor had said to him he was hoping to borrow something that you can't get in the US, like a Persia or something. And then his editor went, "No, no, stories that always do well for us are, um, you know, driving something 
very American, but in unfamiliar territory. Ah, uh, so, and right-hand drive you know, Mustang. Okay, yeah, so he borrowed a Mustang. And um, he was in the area, so he popped over. And we said, well, let's go out for some lunch. He went, you can drive. So I drove this. It was a manual V8 convertible. Sweet. And it was... It was much nicer than I remember the Mustang being. Just like nice to drive, but also, I haven't driven a manual for like months because my Land Rover's in storage at the moment, and our other cars are automatics. And are you missing I the manual? Cars in. I. It was. It was more that I suddenly went, uh oh, in front of somebody else. <laughs> I was like, what if I've lost the technique? And yeah. also those manual Mustangs, I think anyone who's ever driven one will know, they're not the easiest cars to drive smoothly. And I always think, you know, part of the skill of driving a manual well isn't just sort of heel and towing it down into a tricky hairpin bend. It's also just driving normally but smoothly. And it was suddenly like, oh, God. And I did set off and I did do a little bit of slippage by accident because you're still sort of getting a feel for the... The bite point. point, yeah. And uh, But I was just suddenly, I was like, is this that... I couldn't possibly work this out, but I was like, is this the longest I've gone without driving a manual car since I learned to drive? I don't know, but you didn't it was do, nice. You didn't do the pulling up to a junction and, and just using the brake, but it, the car's still in third, and then it starts to violently judder and sort of throw <laughs> its <laughs> engine <laughs> mounts out. Yeah. Like it spat <laughs> some teeth. I, My uh, dad's I done that a few times. I came close, I think. I also stalled it on a hill because I was still getting a feel for it. And uh, it was just like, I thought I'd got it and the fire just went out. And I was like, Fah! So, yes. Um, I, I, that's the only reason I bring this up. It's just Funny you I, should I, say I, that because um, I got the Dodge out of hibernation yesterday. Oh. First time this year, which is mm. shameful because it's June. July. It's July, basically. Um, but I've yeah. been working on it over the last few evenings and... Um, and afternoons with my nephew because he said, Uncle Johnny, I really want you to take me and my friends to the prom uh, when oh. we've finished our GCSEs in the Dodge. Can we go in the Dodge? Please, can we go in the Dodge? And I was like, of course. And it's sometimes good to have a, a deadline, I feel. If mm. anyone's listening who's got a car which is uh, older or a bit temperamental, it, it kind of gives you that, look, let's get it done. It needs to be on the road anyway. I was ashamed of myself that I hadn't got it on the road before May. Let's do this, as they say. I, so. I, I also wonder if the rise of the prom in the UK, for American listeners, we didn't used to have the prom in the UK. There used to be, no. there probably sort of was, but it was, um, it was just called your sort of school, it was called, what was it called? School Leavers Disco, probably, wasn't it? Yeah, or it was called Someone's Got a Big House, We're All Gonna Go There, Cider and Fingering, basically. But it yeah. doesn't have the same ring to it as prom. So I, I think probably prom one overall. Yeah, prom prom is a shorthand for the same thing. Yeah, but, well, it's school organised, isn't it? The prom, but it, also people get dressed up. Oh yes, that's right. It is. It, it's like um, young people looking like they're going to an opera. Yes, um, but I don't think they are. <laughs> no, I don't. They, they all look slightly awkward, like a bunch of awkward people going to the opera. Particularly the boys. I always think sort of teenage boys in dinner suits. You, you have to be a confident teenager. It's because they're man-children. Like, my my, my yeah. nephew, he's you know, 16. He's pretty much the same height as me and my brother. Pretty, In fact, he's got the same size feet as me because I've given him some of my Hamley-down Adidases, which he adores. And um, so I, I'm feeling like well, he's kind of the same stature as me, but, but he is only 16, so there is a little bit of a man-child going on there. But what I do love mm. is the fact that he really wanted to work on the car with me to get it... Because he knew it needed a couple of things doing after getting it. He got a bit of a, a hammering last year and not as much maintenance as it should um, because of all the late break events. And um, he was like, can I work on it with you, Uncle Johnny? And I was like, damn right you can. Yeah, because I'm clueless. So, yeah, come on in. Um, and he's really enjoyed it. Do you think, though, because you're not the only person I've heard say oh, I've been asked to take kids like either their own kids or nieces nephews neighbors children to a prom because i've got an interesting car hmm. do you think the rise of the prom in this country has accelerated some old car projects a little bit yeah i do i did speak to someone a couple of years ago when my my um, other nephew had a prom and, and he wanted he he's not really into cars but <clears throat> He said, oh, I quite like Audi R8s. So I managed to pull a string at Audi, and I got him an R8 um, convertible roadster. 
um, which was quite cool. Although the traffic to get in and out of the prom took about an hour, and it made me realise how little <laughs> legroom there is in an Audi um, V10 um, uh, Roadster. But that, yeah, there's no space in that car as if you're tall. No, it's a nightmare because it's such a lovely car, but yeah. it's really hard to get comfy. I felt like I was living in a box of cooks matches um, for about two hours. Honestly, I had to go for a long walk afterwards because I was crippled. It's like an 80s supercar where you know that ergonomically they're a bit shite. But this was a brand new car. Yeah. Um, but he- I found either your legs have to be scrunched up or you have to sit bolt upright like you're in a Methodist church. It's just like, I don't, there's no in between. And either way, that's not how I want to drive a supercar. The Methodist spec supercar. Other stunts. churches are available. In fact, they're all there's no such thing as a well reclined church pew. Is there? Supercar pew. Do you know what that? If we if if this podcast wasn't called Smith and Sif, we could have called it the Supercar Pew. Would have quite liked that. It makes it feel like we're <laughs> going to get straight to business and talk hard yeah. about <laughs> about supercar. Take a pew. I can hear the music now. It's slightly over dramatic, and it just take a pew. We're going to talk about supercars. Yeah. But one of us would have had would have to be a little bit better moneyed, so we can just buy supercars on a whim and then decide if we like them, and then get rid yeah. of them if we don't. So maybe that's something we could do in the future, Richard. Is what I'm saying. Maybe, yeah. yeah. If we suddenly become fantastically wealthy, or one of us does. No, only it. one of us. Then you get that sort of American podcast vibe where they always have a super rich guy on who's going, and then my Sharon got delayed, and that was a total pain in the ass. And he's just like, "Is it really?" Well. <laughs> I feel for you, sir. I'm sure they're going to launch some kind of Band-Aid-style record for this one. <laughs> I don't know. Whether anyway, are, are you ever anyway, going to buy a brand new supercar? No. No. I can't There's see so many other things. buying a brand new supercar. I'd buy... If I had that kind of money, I would... I'd want a 458 Speciale. Yeah. Still my favourite car, I think. One of my neighbours has got one. One of my friends, big shout-out to Simon. Yeah, he's he? he's got one. Yeah, he has. Yeah, what a bastard. Yeah, well, he's well, not. He's, he's between he's, us. We know someone because James May's got one. So what a flute. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Could, should we text them? One. Should we text them right now? At the same time, we're just using the word, just two words, you flute, and then see what yeah. have I done, and then just go. Just yeah. realise you've got a four, five, eight speciale. No, keep him on the hook. Oh, what have okay. I done? You know, you know what you've no, done. No, I don't. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> should we, we do, do that? <laughs> You disgust me. I was, honestly, I, don't know, I think you've got, you got me for what, what's going on here. You're a nasty piece of work, aren't you? Smarmy. Yeah, I don't like selfish. smarmy people. Yeah. <laughs> really not very nice. <laughs> but, just, just a day-long cavalcade of abuse and then finally go, it's because you've got that 458 speciality. Uh, cavalcade. I, I would actually know. Cause, but no, I wouldn't. A new supercar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right now. Like, you had to go oh, and buy a hey. brand new supercar now. And you're not allowed to sell it for sheer profit. Do you know what I would think about is that Maserati MC20, yeah. the Tiello version with no roof. Because we saw that at Goodwood, Which, and I just thought it was such a nice-looking car. Yeah. And I like the vibe that it's not sort of meant to be all out, totally, nang, 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 sporty. It's meant to be a bit more of a... You know, it's got a it's sort of got a comfortable side to its character. I'm with I just you. like that. I'm with and you. I like the idea of owning a Maserati. I just think it sounds cool. You know, Ferrari. It's a bit. Oh dear, he's trying so hard. And I don't know, Maserati just a bit less twatty. I think I wrote on social media, and I might have ruffled some feathers recently. I said the MC20 is the first modern Maserati that seems to actually be good. Um, and yes. gen- genuinely probably an exciting car to drive whereas there's so many Maseratis over the last 20 years that have, they've, they might have sounded okay but they've been mm. so so average in many other ways you just go do I really want to live with this it just reeks to me of just Beverly Hills pe- peacocking and nothing more but maybe I'm being hard on it maybe I'm being I love, I love, I love the Trident I love the, the logo I love the <laughs> I do. I, lo- I, I love the Trident. I and the Trident. I, uh, sweet, sweet logo. Sweet logo. And I also really uh, appreciate the heritage of Maserati because it's got one of the best car heritages out there. And it doesn't yeah. delve in as deeply to that satchel of heritage that it should. <laughs> <laughs> this is the new one from Satchel of Heritage. Um, <laughs> I got it. Well, what's its support band? Its support band is a rucksack of sacrilege, or (laughs) they hate one another. They absolutely hate one another. 
<laughs> history papoose. Um, they no, it's true they don't, do they? It feels like they they probably could milk it more because there's more to milk. You know, if you think about, I think Jaguar has been guilty of sort of really plundering essentially three cars or four. Yeah, it's XK120, been twenty. Yeah, C type, D type, and E type, and it's like that's it's that's been swinging on the teats of its cars. heritage for ages, and that's okay because that's their story. And I think the older I get, the more I realise the backstory is more and more important to kind of rope people in or, mm. I don't know, get, get uh, ignite some enthusiasm and passion about people who have never taken any notice of a brand before or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. get those stories out there. Mazza have got some incredible things going on. And then that recent interview with... Harry Metcalf on the brown chairs that I did. I've, I completely mm. forgot that he had that Ghibli cup. And that Ghibli yes. cup pretty much turned him into a, I'm not going to say celebrity, but he it got him on the radar of the traditional news, uh, you know, car news journalists and people like that in this country at the time. Pre, mm. pre Obviously pre-social media and emailing and stuff, really. And, uh, I like the fact that his car, his personal car, sort of effectively became the press car because Maserati themselves didn't really have an operation set up to yeah. He just bought the press. Yeah, he so just bought he, it. Harry did it for them. Yeah, he bought it and pimped it, and um, and and that's what started this kind of this 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 interest um, spooling up. So yeah, I, I think MC20 is a good shout. I'm a bit weird with supercars because. Maybe I'm a bit all or not at all. I've always had a thing for Koenigseggs because really? I think they're so obsessive and so over the top, but also, I guess, so expensive. I really like mm. the Regera. Um, no, sorry, the Agera. Yes, the Agera. Um, really, and, and I always like the very first one, which I've now forgotten the name of because uh, my mind's gone blank. But the, the first Was it- Koenigsegg. Was hang on. There was the CCS. Was that the first? That was one? it. There was one before it. Was it the CCS? I think it was CCS. The CCR. Th- then the CCX was the CCX and the CCS. Ah, yes. I think it was the CCS. But I, I, t- I just think again, it's it's a supercar without that many winglets and fins and fuss, and that really, and, and also a very a slightly longer gear stick than you were expecting to see. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that always intrigued me as a as a, as a motoring journalist. Uh, a slightly longer wand than one might expect in that cabin, uh, but it was quite cool. Um, so yeah, but again, it, an awful lot of money, an awful lot of money to spend on a car. So I think I uh, we we kind of chatted about it at Goodwood when we were looking for a life support coffee was. In the world of, of kind of sports and supercars and let's say kind of two-seat um, joyful cars, is the future of it is making it feel like it's more engaging but not necessarily going faster because we've got to the point mm. where there's so much firepower going on in them and there's so much grip and they're getting physically wider where they can't fit on the roads yes. that, that aren't going to be widened. God, we get this is a this podcast is suddenly getting serious. What the hell's going yeah, on? I know, heaven forfend. But no, it's a fair point. And but back to your original question of it's like, is there you know, is there any supercar that you'd actually buy? And you sort of spool through the Ferrari range, and you kind of go, well, that that two nine six does look nice. But would you? I quite or like the, it. The, yeah, I like the McLaren t- arterial <laughs> disease. Would would you would you go with one of those? And I sort of. I, don't I, like, know. I like the look of it. I don't know about the mm. reality of it. I, I really like the look of the Radford. And again, I like the idea of you take a car that we already know is exciting and it's sort of proven so you're not wasting your time too much on R&D like some of these cottage industry manufacturers mm. do. And I, I love the body of the Radford. I think I think there's so many cool shapes going on in it. Um, I, I actually can't remember how much it is. but um, uh, It's seven figures, isn't it? Oh bloody hell! I might put that one on ice. I might. I know. I'll just keep texting Aunt Anstead and say, "Would you do us another deal?" (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he would. Yeah, they're only making sixty-two of them, aren't they? So I suppose they. Well, they've probably sold sixty of them, so it's not like (laughs) I don't think they probably need to give them away, especially to idiots like me. I can't even afford it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's just all. I wonder what, how many they have sold because. I heard a, a rumour about another well-known sort of hyper car 
that um, they've only sold five out of, I think, they're going to make 100 or something. Really? Yeah, so it's not a given that these kind of limited-run, super-expensive cars immediately get snapped up by collectors and what have nah. you. you know, they have to sort of earn their place. Because even if you're going to buy it and stick it away in a collection and just hope that it keeps earning money for you by appreciating, it's only going to appreciate if everybody agrees that... It's, it's worth it. It's worth it, and yeah. It's, it's that weird thing, isn't it? Even yeah. though it could be absolute dog plop to drive, but if somehow it's got something about it that people yeah. like in some way or other, good, you know, good story. Yeah, of folklore. BMW Z8 is an interesting case, isn't it? Because at the time it was kind of slated for being pretty nasty to drive. and yeah, But they are... Extremely valuable now, aren't they? Is it, is, it, they is it the rare groove? I'm wondering, is it, has it got the Bristol effect, that car? Because I'm still not that bothered about it. I like some I like some angles of it, but I, I do struggle with it. But I remember when it came out, um, but I'm not that bothered about it. Um, but then there's quite a few BMWs of that here. I'm not that bothered about an 8 Series, and I never really have been. Um, I've driven the original eight series. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, that's right. The original with the pop-up headlights, the, and, and, yeah. and I, um, I've driven both of them, the V8 and the V12, and I'm still, I'm, I'm only a bit lukewarm on it. A bit lukewarm. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think it looks mm. okay, but I don't want one. don't want to own one. And what was that absolutely rubbish-looking Aston Martin that we saw at the auction that we both kind of just went, oh, that proportionally, oh, that's God, so, it, it looks a, like a it, knockoff version of itself. <laughs> oh. It was a late uh, Virage Volante. Yeah. No offence to anybody that's listening to this podcast that owns one. I just think it's, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. It looks like no. a Capri kit car. Um, that they haven't been able to get the right wheels for the arches and stuff, and it just doesn't meld together properly. No, it was... Then I think it was you that looked inside and went, I'm sure that's two wheels off a Ford Crown Victoria. And you're like... It bloody is. Yeah, so, I mean... It it definitely is. It's It's a... Or some... I mean, yeah, no, I think Crown Vic. It's that sort of... Back when they hadn't quite figured out how to package airbags in a very small boss, they had to make a massive... You had to essentially like a hotel pillow in the middle of the wheel. <laughs> and Ford, Ford, for some reason, put the the blue oval badge down the sort of bottom... It was right off centre, that's pillow. right. It was. And, and I can't remember they'd done that. Aston, they just prized the Ford badge off and just left an oval oh, indentation there, I think. It, it was, was absolute dog plop. They're probably they're shaking their fists at how easy people have got it now with three D printing. Like cottage car manufacturers are like, we could just think it and then press the return button, and we've got a small batch of them made within three days. But yeah. back then, you couldn't do that. I love. I've never driven, but I love the um, the the uh, Vantage based on that car. The um, uh, you know with the with the sort of glassed in six lights yeah uh, wider arches and i do think that's a proper sort of you know bulldog of a car and that's that's all great but that that cabrio oh. everything about it was i mean the back windows didn't quite go down right the hood didn't yeah. package right i mean honestly it's just a tick box of not quite right <laughs> it's just everything about it where you go 
What, what, uh, could you sum up the state of the handmade British car industry in the 90s? And you'd go, yeah, it, it was that. <laughs> it, was, it was caught in an awkward moment where, you know, the, 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 its predecessor was sort of very obviously handmade and old-fashioned. And it was like they were trying to make it look modern, but their techniques didn't really permit it to be yeah. proper. So it's just awful. I mean, in all seriousness, if someone said to me, do you want a, a very late good condition uh ex-detective crown victoria in interceptor um mm. which you can put a couple of, you know some tubular wishbones on it and a couple of little smart mods or that aston martin which i think was going to book at about ninety thousand quid or eighty thousand quid yeah. which one would you have i mean i can't tell you how little the contest is there's no contest here <laughs> it's just no contest it's just i'll have the crown victoria i will give my children a nest egg I will. I'll have a mad week away with uh, my friends, and I will laugh. And next time I see one of those driving down the road, which is never, because I actually can't remember the last time I saw one driving down the road. So. Well, you don't, do you? you? Just don't see them around. Mm. And I, but because I, 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 I sort of feel like you'd have more fun in the Crown Vic. Of course, you'd have more fun in the Crown. Apart Vic. from anything else, you just wouldn't care about it as well. So you, so you wouldn't be precious about driving it. And you think, well, if it breaks, you can just get some bits from America because yeah. they're still quite easy to maintain. I do. I do still like, want one. I, I, and I, you know, I already own two American cars, so I have no reason for another one. It's a stupid idea, but at some point, I, I would like a very late detective spec Crown Vic. <laughs> last year, ideally, last year of production. Because my brother, oh. my brother's got you know he's got the very last of the two-stroke Trabants, and uh, there's at least four people in the world that give a flying toss about that, and I'm one of them. So uh, it's quite cool, you know, buying a post-Berlin Wall full two-stroke Trabant. That's commitment. So then that was so it's one of the ones just before they they put the they put a Polo engine in, it, didn't they? Mm-hmm. The Trabant. But did they keep making the two-stroke at the same time, or is it just a straight switchover? That's a good question. I think there was a changeover. My brother's is a okay. June 1990 two-stroke oh, Trabant. God. Yeah. Oh, that is real wall-full spec. That is proper. Hasselhoff's like, here. The wall's gone over. Oh, yeah, yeah, Quick. Yeah. There's a, there's a, Grab on the last one. There's a tape selector in the centre console. You know, there's push-out push ones, and they're all David Hasselhoff, all ten of them. Uh, Somebody told me... I can't remember who this was. Said to me that it was remarkable how quickly Trabant's disappeared off the roads of what was East Germany after the war came down. Yeah, just like nobody, there was absolutely no nostalgia for that car, understandably so. But there was no affection for it. As soon as people there had access to other cars, yeah, they'd seen it too long. I think it was. Yeah, I think the sim, you know, the 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 the, the hunger for optimism probably drop kicked them out as quickly as possible. And it, I, I believe it sort of happened a bit in Poland with the 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 one two six p. But then now, oh, it did. Now there's real yes. affection for it because I guess at least with the one two sixes, they you could get them in brighter colours. Whereas Trabant's <laughs> all came in horrible prosthetic limb colours, <laughs> and there isn't one colour which is desirable in a Trabant. Really, they're all so dowdy. Yeah, um, and the interiors. Honestly, the fabric looks so scratchy. You know, the sort of like free <laughs> donated chairs to a village hall kind of textile. Yes, <laughs> just like you just look at it and go, oh, I don't know if I want to sit on it, but I've got to. So, okay, put a cloth down first. Put a bin liner on someone, it. Someone, someone in Poland did tell me that about the one two six, the Maluk. The Maluk, yeah. It. Just went as soon as as soon as we didn't have to have these. We didn't have them. It's the same with the FSO Bolognese. Yeah, there's they just you just don't see them around. You don't, it's, it's, I went to Warsaw about five six years ago, and it's just Warsaw. The main thing I know to Warsaw. Warsaw, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very hard to understand the accent. Um, but then I went to Poland, <laughs> um, and yeah, no, you'd never see old cars, uh, any old cars, because they didn't have old Western cars. No, and. And the cars they did have back then, as soon as they didn't have to have them, everybody just went, well, fuck that. And they got I know, just a lot of Kias on the streets, I thought. Just, they, just, they, just wore, kind of... they just wore them out, didn't they? Here's something I would well, like. I, I think they just threw them away. As soon as they could, I think they threw them away. Because that's the thing. It's, it's a symbol of a time that nobody looks back on with affection. Yeah. Or few people do. Yeah. So in the same way that I'm um, going back to the supercar thing, my, my prediction, if I was going to be Mystic Meg or Mystic Metcalf about it... I would, I would, I would say, 
I would say the f- the future, the, the future. <laughs> Sorry, I can, I can only picture Harry in a headscarf now. <laughs> Harry, Harry in a headscarf with one of those. What a silky one! It's one of those silk yes. prints. Uh, well, yeah, but not no, not like a sort of elegant lady in the passenger seat of a Triumph Stag driving down to Nice. I'm, I'm thinking more, you know, sort of wizened old crone oh, as a okay. fairground going cross my palm with silver and I shall tell you what Testarossa values are going to do in the next six months so that's what we've got to do with Harry that's what we've got Mr. to do if, 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 if we ever do if you and I ever if we, we ever do a Smith and Sniff tour I think as our warm up act it will be and I haven't asked him yet whether this would happen but it should be Harry in a an airstream uh, and you go, you, you know, you pay a tender and you go through the, the cloaky doors and and, it, and it's all dark. There's just a couple of candles. And then on the wall, you can see a few posters of 70 sports cars. And then and a Pirelli calendar, which you go, oh, hello, it's a bit saucy. And then you sit down and basically that's what happens. He'll say, right. I, an Airstream, though. It's a bit flash, isn't I mean, it? I, I was thinking yeah, an old Monza. <laughs> one of those beige and brown ones. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so a Monza. But you, you clock as you go in. It, it's only a single Exor Monza, but it does have mm. Lotus wheels on it. So you're going, oh, oh. okay. Bit of thought's gone into that. It's a lightweight caravan, obviously. Um, yeah. And someone's put some choice rims on it. Someone's thought about that. Because Harry's a thinker. He's done that. He's gone, yeah, all right. I'll play it down a bit, but I'm going to go for some half-decent rims that are light. When you go in there and he'll say, he'll just say, right, cars that interest you, talk to me. And you'll, I don't know, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll say two types of car and then he'll, he'll map out the next 10 years of that car's life. And then at the end, he'll throw in a couple of things like someone you love will die and, <laughs> and, and your, auntie's, your auntie's alternator will fail in June next year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm seeing a Nissan Qashqai. Does that ring any bells? Yeah, my uncle's got one. <sighs> the rear number plate finisher. Has it come off? <laughs> well, yes, it has, actually. It's like he's doing that thing that those sort of psychics in inverted commas do, where they st- say bloody obvious things that is easy to guess, but people are wowed by their prescience. And, oh, okay. And, uh, so does that's, he have a? That's his act. Does he have a printout under the table of of all the recalls of all car manufacturers of the last ten years? So he just goes, yeah. Okay. Um, has it ever needed any work on the seatbelt warning light? Yeah, it has actually. I had to go back to the dealer for that. I got a letter. Ah, yes. I thought so. He's got CCTV in the car park, so he's watching people getting out of their cars and only coming. I see that you. Have a three thirty D. That's amazing. How did you know, Mystic Metcalf? It's all, you know, it's all, it's all preordained, but, uh, but, but, you know, punters don't need to know that <laughs> until they've crossed his palm with SO vouchers. <laughs> what do you mean? Still get, uh, can you get SO vouchers? No, it'd be shell nectar. Can you share nectar points? Because, oh, yeah. you know, you can sort of move them across from one card to another. So you sort of donate, you pay him in nectar. So it's not a real, it's a, is that a cryptocurrency? No. Nectar points cryptocurrencies? <laughs> I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. But let's say they are. Let's start saying they are. We'll put just that out to the public. sound more fashionable. Yeah. Um, I, I have a terrible thing with loyalty cards that, you know, someone will go, have you, got, have you got a nectar card? Have you got a boots card? Whatever. And, and I always say, I don't know. As in, I don't. Oh, right. Comma. No, no, I know. But if I if I say it wrong, which I quite often do, and I can't stop doing it, nonetheless, people it sounds like I'm going. I don't know, as if I. As oh, what you I don't even know no what the concept of the was. Or I did once have a guy who just went, "You don't know." And I was like, "No, I, I don't." <clears throat> well, no. I when loyalty cards. I mean, we're going off track a bit now. Hey, surprise, surprise. But um, when the loyalty card thing kicked off in a big way. Um, I remember I had my, you know, that multicolored Mercedes one, two, three estate that I used to have. This is before mm. you and I knew one another, but um, <clears throat> they used to sometimes suffer with with quite bad rot on the scuttle uh, on one mm. corner of the lower windscreen. And bearing in mind this car cost me a penny, and I was running it on a shoestring. Um, there was some rot there which I knew was starting to leak down the back of the pedal box. So in heavy rain, it would make the the passenger or the driver's footwell wet and it was bloody annoying yeah 
Well, one day I went out there and thought, well, I don't have a welder, and I've got to take an enormous amount of finishing plates and trim off to weld it anyway. So I scraped all the, the, the rust out, and there was a hole there, probably the size of a 50 pence piece. And I thought, oh, that's quite bad. So do you know what I did? I reached into my I pocket, and I found two loyalty cards that I didn't give a flying toss about. And I got some tiger seal in a, um, you know, a syringe gun type thing. And if you've ever touched yeah. tiger seal, once you've got it on your fingers, it's never coming off, ever. That's it. Imagine, um, I don't know, imagine heavy oil-based honey that you've just poured over your own body and then tried to climb into a shower to shower it off. The water won't get rid of it. It's not going anywhere. Kind of it's, like, it's tacky. It's, it's very tacky. tacky. Well, it's just thick. tar. It's just tar. Like, you know, like a medieval, you know, they pour tar out the tops of castles on yeah. intruders. It's kind of like that. And um, okay. I was going to say, because my benchmark for a thing that's weirdly hard to get off your hands is uh, slug trail stuff. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. You're absolutely right. It's, it's revoltingly <clears throat> difficult to get off. And um, anyway, but that's not that's not thick, is it? Sort of almost that's the opposite. Is it like hoisting really sauce thin. when you're walking around a prestigious <laughs> event, <laughs> and people are coming up to you wanting to shake your hand or chat, and you've I I I've been laughing about that all week. Have you? It's just so because well, it's just. So <laughs> I don't know why I find it so funny. It's just the, of all the things, hoisin sauce, because it's just like you could run through a lot of stuff. Jam, honey, even like, I'm oh, sorry, I've got some margarine on my hands. Would be going. Oh, well, that just sounds a little bit last tango in Paris to me, doesn't it? You walk around the festival and speed, yes. so I've got I've got goose fat all over my hands. Well, the thing oh, you're fresh God. out of a steam rally. Still, <laughs> I won't shake your hands. I'm covered. In, in something you wouldn't expect anybody to be covered in at half nine in the morning. Uh, well, yeah, that just reaffirmed the so, point I was eating a random breakfast. But you mended your old Mercedes by, by I used, tarring two loyalty I, cards. I did. I, I, I did. I got. I, I slathered uh, the first one, and I, I'd, I'd already, I'd already uh, kill rusted the area. You know, you put, you, you, you treat the rust, you, you, you convert it, or whatever they call it. But I slapped one of them on, and then I put another one over the top, then a generous smear around the edge, like a seam sealer, and then I put the, the trims back on that covered most of it, but not all of it. And it never leaked again. Um, obviously no. not what I would call a professional repair. But um, it did the job, and it added to the story of that car. I miss that car. Fair enough, then. I miss that car very much. Um, God, I miss those guys, yeah. I miss that. I miss you, miss you, man. I miss you. I'm trying to remember what your number plate was. B something. B up. Yeah. B. Oh, it's quite a late one. It was a late one. Yeah. So it had the hydraulic tappet. So I'm pleased about that. Um, but uh, <laughs> so well, it's just got a better looking cam cover as well. The old ones have got a cam cover which looks like something out of a World War submarine. I always think it just looks. A bit, the engine looks too old for the car. I know that sounds a bit weird. Do you not uh, think okay, some yeah. the aesthetics of some engines are just fundamentally disappointing, even though the car is exciting? I'm going to say yes. Mark One Golf GTI. You, you, oh yes, very ordinary. It's just so ordinary, and it looks or like gawky. I'm going to use the word gawky. Mm. Whereas you pop the bonnet on an Alfa Romeo. I know we've said this about Alphas before, but it just the engine. Someone's really thought about the aesthetics of the engine, so it's actually a joy to do the screen wash. And check the oil because you go look at that. That's good, isn't it? That's really good. I'd love to know any other engines that are like that. The one that always bugs me is the Jaguar V12. Yeah, particularly the XJ. Yeah, it's just a right mess. Oh, it's a complete. It's a rat's nest of of pipe, vacuum pipes and stuff. I, yeah. I, in fact, yeah, yeah. It's almost one of the things that makes me not want one. It's because I just yeah. go. Do you know what? I'll just go with the six. I'll just tune the six. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I don't need all of this yeah. mess. Because <laughs> you, you do also look at it and just go, that's going to go wrong. Yeah. And where am I going to start with trying to find out what's gone wrong when it's just, it's it's a massive plastic tub of Christmas tree lights with an engine underneath it. <laughs> and it's just, I, it, it stresses me out just looking at it. It makes me slightly, it just feels slightly, slightly. And you don't even own going, one. Oh my God. I don't even own one. But they did tidy it up in the later ones. That's why, I, maybe that's why I sort of have a, a hankering for an XJ40 shape. 12. V12. Yeah. Because they did tidy it up a bit. I did say, I, I mentioned to you, didn't I, that someone's contacted the late break show, their late father had um or ha yeah had an xj12 so an, an xj40 i think it's a 1994 car i want to say 93 
uh, it would, would that, be well if it's an IC4 it'd be very very late it's a really late, late one and he's kept it um, it was his dad's and he's kept it he said I don't do many miles in it but you just don't see them anymore and I know how much dad right. really liked it and, ev- and I think I forwarded you the email and went that's your dream car that is mm. you'd love it it is and I liked the Jaguar spec because for reasons that I can't figure out in marketing terms, it doesn't quite make sense. Do you remember how like basic XJ6s had, sorry, that's my dog. She's in the room with me in this echoey room because I'm recording in a different room today and it's irritatingly echoey because we haven't got any furniture in it. Um, the, the basic XJ6 had four round headlights and then the Sovereign and the Daimler, they had the rectangular lights. That's right. The and then they brought in the XJ12, which you think, you know, SJ12 outranks any six-cylinder car, you'd think. But somehow, the Jag XJ12 had the round lights. Oh, it did. And it also had cross-spoke alloys, which looked quite good. That's right. And then the Daimler V12 <clears throat> got the um, the double six, got the got the, the rectangular lights. So there's sort of strange headlight hierarchy there. But I thought that with the round lights and the cross-spoke wheels, uh, that that shape, the XJ81 for Jag nerds, looked really good, or as good as an XJ40 shape can look, which is you know, okay, not not amazing, but yes. My my, I, I, I had I, well, you know, my pair of Sovs, they they were oblong headlight cars. I know a lot of people prefer them because they think it's sort of of its time, you know, just yeah, of its time suits the design, and I always err towards the trad quad lights, it, but. Well, it, when harking back to when when cars used to be the the, the heyday of the modified car scene in the nineties mm. mostly, and then the sort of early early portion of the two thousands, if you remember, and I don't know if they're still going, there was a French company called Moret, and Moret would do the right. double headlight conversion for any car, pretty much that you could think of. So if you think about oh. Sierras, which had the quad headlight conversion, yes. and Escorts, and um, yeah. uh, Subarus and all, well, it was a by a French company called Moret. And, I never knew that. And they were one company was doing all of that because it was quite fashionable for a while, wasn't it? It was very fashionable, but also it was expensive. Like Moret would do a. I think this is before a lot of Far East companies came in and, and tried to undercut what was going on. Mm. But yeah, Moret would do these quad headlight conversions for anything. You know, Peugeot one hundred sixes. We used to see it all the time, and they were they were they were they were expensive. Like you, if you wanted a, a quad headlight conversion for a, I don't know, um, I can't remember what I got a quote for one once. It was a good five hundred quid. It might have even been help. more than that. So it was a lot. You had to want it, and I always think that the. Um, the, that Jag looked like someone had done a Moret conversion on yeah. a, on an oblong headlight <laughs> Jag, but uh, maybe 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 any listeners out there have got a Moret quad headlight converted vehicle. Yeah. It's what I wonder. What is the least likely car to have a quad headlight conversion? Do you know what else looked like it had had a bit of a sort of posh Moret job done on it? Was when they put four round lights on Bentleys that were still the same shape as a Rolls Royce. Yeah. So, the um yeah you know the the turbo r's and stuff that's right and it sort of worked i mean it did work and we got used to it but i remember the first time i saw one i was being like oh god it looks like it looks like an aftermarket conversion or like it's what the u.s market one would have looked like because it had got sealed beams on it and so um sorry the dog why are you whining? yeah the dog sounds like do you know it sounds like sounds like someone in the background's tuning a fretless bass while you're trying to talk (laughs) or it's got really hungry (laughs) tummy syndrome She's there's something in the garden that has displeased her. I don't know what it is. Probably a pigeon. And she's, she's an idiot, but she she's just standing out there looking out the window, going like, "I want to go and shout at you, but you can't because the door is shut." I um, realised the other so, day. Yeah. That, um, well, I'd be annoyed by pigeons because they annoy me um, <laughs> orally. Anyway, my dad orally. Yeah, orally. My, my, my dad. When I was having a, a walk with my dad the other week. Uh, he said, "No, actually, I find magpies more annoying orally than um, than pigeons." And I, we, we don't agree on this because I think I said magpies quite a cheeky. I, th- I, I he thinks they're sort of antagonising him, like they're laughing at him like a hyena. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, antagonising. The thing about a pigeon is, it's like a really, really crap ringtone. That just nobody's picking the phone up, so it's just going on and on and on and on, and you can't turn it off because it's not it, your phone. Isn't it more like one of those alarms that you choose off your phone because you think it'd be a gentle way to wake up? 
Da, 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 da. You're talking about wood pigeons here rather than your, your scratty city pigeons. Well, there is a minor difference, isn't it? One of them goes da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Da, 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 And the other one goes da, da. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. Of course... There's the Nokia pigeon, which goes... I'd like a Nokia pigeon. It would mix things up a bit rather than being so boring to listen to. I just want to, like, get a really big pole and start swinging it around the tree. Nokia. <laughs> 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 I've never heard someone have such a visceral reaction I can't to stand the sound, sound of pigeons. Nature. It's just, really? to, to me, it's synonymous with boredom. It's absolutely synonymous oh. with being, but with being bored as a kid on say, let's just say a Sunday, and yeah. you hear the pigeon, and the pigeons just sitting in the tree, they're together, and they're just, it's like I don't know, two old deaf people talking at one another, but no one's <laughs> listening. They're both just talking, but there's no one responding to one another. They're just doing the same. T- yeah, I hate it, hate it. So as a kid, when you were watching cartoons, if Dastardly and Muttley were going, "Stop the pigeon," you were like, "Yeah, get the." Oh yeah, stop the pigeon. him with a iron bar. Yeah. Kick him, kick him with boots on. Nah. Man him, grab him, push him, shove him, maim him, yeah, catch- shoot him in the face. <laughs> nah, hate I don't want pigeon death. I'm not saying I go out and kill pigeons because I mean I know you can. You know, obviously pigeon shooting and stuff is a thing. But I I don't want to kill the pigeons. I just don't want them to talk near me. Is that is that okay to say that? <laughs> no, I really don't like it. I find it very irritating. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's nothing to do with cars. About you. Nothing to do with cars at all. It's, it's not even relevant. No. no. Well, um, just to bring it back onto cars, yeah. I was uh, I was in a local park the other day and I saw a man with a Ferrari hand tattoo. Did you? He'd got a prancing horse on his hand. Now, a friend of mine who's big into tattoos says that any reputable tattoo parlour will not do you a, a hand tattoo d- unless oh. you've got lots of other tats and you're clearly sort of an experienced tattoo haver oh seriously I guess because it's you know you can't it's very hard to cover up a hand tattoo unless you wear gloves which might be weird in summer if you've got a t-shirt on yeah and it's painful I would have thought it's very painful because there's no fat on your hand the back on the back of your hand this was yeah this was sort of sat in the I mean not quite in the crook but but on that bit of your hand there's probably a word for sort of up from the thumb below the the finger next to your thumb. What, so so below the wrist bone. Yes, but sitting but just above. On, sort of, there's a the pad, thumb you know, there's a paddy bit, sort of in in the in the kind of elbow of your. Th- it's not an elbow, is it? What we're talking about? <laughs> Fleshy like a, thumb a, elbow. There's a thumb pit. You've effectively got a thumb pit, haven't yes. you? And it's like it's sort of sitting below that. But yeah, no, I mean, not small either. Probably about the. The, the length of his thumb maybe a little bit smaller big enough that I could see it as he as this guy wow. was not immediately standing but next what to about him. if he doesn't own a Ferrari I mean or would it be better well, that I've, he doesn't I hadn't I don't know I mean yeah which is worse this this I just it's it's just interesting that you would go to that of all things but uh I, I don't know I've just never seen that before and I sort of thought uh, car tattoos generally uh, uh, it's something you could live to regret, perhaps. I know that people say that about tattoos in general. Tattoo, yeah, the car one, what if you went right off that car or that car company went bust or something? It's like, oh, yeah, my new MG Rover tattoo looks great. They what? Oh, no. Oh, no, it's dated badly. Oh, I, yeah. uh, I, yeah. Or they changed the logo. You know, some car companies are forever fuck ass. Well, look at Kia. Look at Kia right now. I mean, yeah. I'm driving around in one, and oh. a lot of people say it says KA on the back. They, they go, I can't, yeah. I can't read it as Kia. I just can't see it. Yeah. Um, and the more I stare at it, the more confused I become by it. Um, yeah. I've seen tattoo, I've seen a tattoo of an RS Turbo before, Escort, which it was proportionally Seriously? wrong. Yeah, it was proportionally oh, wrong, no. unfortunately. <laughs> Again, it looked like someone had bought a, you know, like a kind of Group B body kit, but kept the standard track wheels and tyre combination. Oh, no. It was a little bit over-body kitted, under-wheeled. Um, That's the thing I always think about tattoo artists is that you have got to be incredibly good at drawing. 
Yeah. But not drawing also, because it's harder than drawing, isn't it? Because you're actually, it, it's like it's way it's harder you than drawing. sketching with a pencil, but you've got to push the pencil through the paper every time. Well, have you ever tried to draw with a Sharpie on a T-shirt or a piece of fabric that's not stretched hard yes. over a surface? Yes. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly yeah. that. Uh, well, well, I suppose it depends on it depends on where the tattoo is going, isn't it? Because I imagine some bits the skin t- stays reasonably taut. Yeah, but if you were tattooing, say, someone's scrotum, that would be an absolute nightmare. And you well, I've tried it. To... It's incredibly hard, and unfortunately, it didn't go. Luckily, nobody gets to see the the mistakes I've made, so it's okay. Well, the, your the Lamborghini bull that you've had put on your ball. <laughs> It's actually the Koenigsegg logo in preparation for when oh, I eventually own one. When I go and do that, you know, you do the handshake in front of the car. I'll have a couple. Yeah. I'll have my plum sort of exterior of the trouser, <laughs> but I won't reference it. So Christian von Koenigsegg will be shaking my hands and looking at the camera. But I will have. I might have the bag out oh, covertly, and then he'll just go. Uh, Jesus, get him off the premise. <laughs> 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 you can do anything quickly, Bill Koenigsegg. Can I? So, can I? I look, this I'm, is probably I'm a good time to wrap this up. But, own, uh, ordering a Koenigsegg just so I can do the bag out handover <laughs> shot. <laughs> Johnny's Swedish supercar plum bag fund. Yeah, um, that. Mm. Uh, good well Well, we've really raised the tone we've not tied we've not tied the knots of many of the questions we raised today i was going to talk about like the future of supercar ownership we were going to talk about the ionic six did we actually talk about shit we were going to talk about the the first thing we were supposed to talk about before we started recording we said oh what are we going to talk about we both went ionic six Six is we have to talk about that but well look you've made a video about it so let's just tell people to watch that Ionic 6, nothing like the Ionic 5, and that's intentional. Um, yeah, it is interesting. lots of Porsche going on, in the, and CLS yeah. Merc first gen. Mm. In a good way, yeah, I think. It's, 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 yeah. it's yeah, untrusting. Yeah. But I, I think ultimately, my heart is still yearning for the Ionic 5. I still think it's an incredible mm. piece of design, but also practical, and that's why I want one.com. Good. Yeah. So on that note, on that note, yeah, on that side of things, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Somebody said that to me in a meeting. On that that side, and I and I don't know if they listen to this podcast, so I don't know if it's a thing. I don't. I wasn't sure. So do you think either they were just sort of taunting you with your own catchphrase? I think so. Oblivious. I I think they were oblivious, but of course it made my it made my eyebrow raise in that Robert uh, Roger Moore fashion. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. All right. Well, before we go, I've got three things to tell you. They are one. Johnny has a solo YouTube channel. It's called The Mates Rates Show, in which Johnny befriends a series of tradespeople in the hope of securing cash-in-hand discounts on home renovations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to Ash R for that suggestion. Uh, the real solo YouTube channel is, of course, The Late Break Show. Many excellent videos on there, including, as we just mentioned, a preview of the Hyundai Ioniq 6, yeah. which is well worth your time uh second thing i've got to tell you is i have various books out one of them is called boring car trivia three the third of the trilogy but hey just go and buy all three they're all different and yet somehow the same and the third thing i've got to tell you is that the for the first 20 years of its existence the british post box was not red it was green yes i have seen that before or read it yeah, I, but it's a bit like, bit like Father Christmas. Yes, um, yes, yes. It took a while for the colours to settle down. And I'd quite like Father Christmas to come back green. I'm wondering whether that'll mm. ever happen because I just fundamentally prefer the colour green. So mm. just being selfish, frankly. I might ask Mystic Med- Metcalf to make that happen <laughs> in some way. That's okay. Um, weird supplementary fact is that the postbox was introduced to Britain by the author Anthony Trollope. Really? Which is a, an, an yeah, author. He, he worked. Even after he became a successful author, he worked for the post office. And uh, he That's brilliant. Was, the, was the... He was quite senior, and he was the post office employee who recommended that... Because before that, you had to go to a post office to post a letter. Of course. And um, so it, um, it was recommended they introduce standalone post boxes, which were introduced in 1854 in the Channel Islands but it was upon the recommendation of Anthony Trollope the author thanks to everyone also who's um, always messaging us Um, we get lots of lovely emails and 
it's sad that we don't respond to them quickly enough. Um, well, maybe next sorry. week we'll try and read out some. Emails. Shall we? Should we do a Should we do a li- listeners' questions next? Or we'll read out patrons' messages to um, what give them preferential treatment. Favorites, yes, exactly. Yeah. like having a Boots Advantage card, but you, you can't you can't gum our patron into an old Mercedes to stop it leaking. A scuttle. Um, we'll mastic it to a scuttle. Sc- mastic it to a scuttle. <laughs> <laughs> to stop the rain coming in. Ah, phrases no one's ever said before. Right, well, until next week when we may read out some of your messages until, of course, we forget. But uh, <laughs> if we do remember, that's what we'll be doing next week. See you then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Love you. Do we have to say about subscribing or liking or... Uh... Give us a well, just snip this one in. Um, Give us a rating on whatever stream service you use to download or stream Uh this cast. Uh Thanks. Bye. Don't forget to like and also subscribe and like. Thank you again. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.